Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's time for Sorallo Sports Talk with Joe Sorallo. We are back on your national radio airwaves. That's right. The show is back on Sports Map Radio after taking the month of August off tonight. And the timing is immaculate because football season is here. We are 25-ish hours away from the Buffalo Bills and the Los Angeles Rams kicking off the 2022 NFL season. I cannot wait. For this game, we're going to get into this and so much more, so many more games, so many more storylines. Of course, stick around for the full hour because by the end of the show, you will know the 14 teams that are making the playoffs come January 2023. But let's start in Los Angeles. Let's start with the team that I have already gone on national television and said will win Super Bowl 57 in Scottsdale come February and that's the Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills, make no mistake about it, are your Super Bowl 57 champs in the making for the first time in franchise history. That's right. The team that has gone to four straight Super Bowls, the team that has endured heartbreak, the team that has had to listen to wide right Norwood for the past 30 plus years is going to be jumping through tables in February. I called my shot over a month ago. On national TV, I'm standing by that. But I'm taking the Rams to win this season opening game. That's right. I don't think the Buffalo Bills, who might win 13 or 14 games, who are going to win the Super Bowl, I don't think they start the season with a victory in Los Angeles tomorrow night. And here's why. As good as the Buffalo Bills are, they are missing one of the most important, if not the most important piece to their defense going into this game. And that is cornerback Tredavious White, one of the best lockdown, shutdown, all-pro cornerbacks in the game. And the Bills are going to be without him going up against a wide receiver in Cooper Cup, who just shattered every sort of record a season ago, had one of the best single seasons for a wide receiver in NFL history. And oh, by the way, Allen Robinson, who on almost any other team in the National Football League, is a wide receiver one. The Rams have too much offensive firepower for a Bills team that, albeit I think has almost the same amount of offensive firepower, is going to start the season a step behind on defense. When you look at Buffalo's defense, yes, they shored up their pass rush. They brought in Von Miller, but there are still question marks in that front seven. You've got guys like Gregory Rousseau who are phenomenal athletes, but some weeks don't show up to the extent they do other weeks. You've got guys like AJ Epinesa who haven't necessarily to this point, at least panned out the way you would have liked them to, albeit in the secondary You've got maybe the best duo of safeties in the National Football League in Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde, but so much of that secondary, in addition to those two all-pro stud safeties, 
is reliant on having a top five cornerback in football in Tredavious White. And without him, I'm sorry, no disrespect to Poyer and Hyde, they're not going to be able to go one-on-one with Cooper Cup, with A-Rob. Maybe they'll help with Van Jefferson in the slot, but the Bills are turning to a rookie. They're turning to Kair Elam at the cornerback position, their first round pick out of Florida. And I don't see this matchup going any other way, but Cooper Cup slicing and dicing his way through Elam and that secondary in route to a scoring fest. Now, when you look at the Rams defense, do I think the Bills are going to put up points? Absolutely. I talk about the Rams winning this game. I think if you're betting, your two bets here are the Rams money line plus 120 and the Over on 52 total points. We've seen overs hit in two straight season kickoff openers. We've seen them hit in three out of the last five season kickoff openers. I think the over is the only play on the total here. But, but when you look at this Rams defense, specifically in crunch time, if it's a close game late, you're looking at a future Hall of Famer on each tier of the defense. What do I mean by each tier? I mean Aaron Donald on the defensive line, future Hall of Famer. I mean Bobby Wagner, the new addition who just signed a five-year, $50 million contract coming over from Seattle to play in his hometown of Los Angeles. He's a future Hall of Famer at the mic at middle linebacker. And then you look at the secondary. And while there is no doubt and no disputing that the Buffalo Bills have far superior safeties to the LA Rams, the LA Rams have one of the best cornerbacks in football, a future Hall of Famer in Jalen Ramsey. And that's what I mean by the Rams on each tier, having a future Hall of Famer, having a solid anchor to each tier of the defense. Whereas the Bills, if you're asking this team to stuff the run, hell yeah, they're going to stop the run. Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer, you want to bunch them in the box? Matt Milano and that linebacking core? Yeah, the Rams aren't going to be able to run the ball at all against the Bills. But in the air game, and we all know that's what the Rams rely on. It's an air raid Sean McVay offense. Matthew Stafford with guys like Cup, A-Rob, even Van Jefferson getting in on the party, they are going to go hog wild against Buffalo in this one. Now, I think the Buffalo Bills, this was the league's top defense a year ago. I think they're going to be a great defense with time. I think when you're asking a rookie cornerback to be your CB1 on opening night in his NFL debut, it's going to be a long stinking night. So this is not me criticizing the Bills. This is not me being a Bills downer. The Bills are winning the Super Bowl this year, folks, but they're going to have to get healthy to win the Super Bowl. Trey White's going to be a big part of that Super Bowl run. And I think this Thursday night, it's going to be all Rams in LA, the defending champs. They got the juice. And oh, by the way, oh, by the way, you're taking the defending champions, the reigning champs, the best team in football, the only team to make the postseason whose year ended with a win and you're making them home underdogs. Home underdogs in a primetime game has no one learned a damn thing. That is the most dangerous thing you can do. And this is not a young team. This is not a team that is going to have too much adrenaline, get too edgy, too chippy, lose sight here and lose focus. This is not a team that's going to do that. This is a team of savvy veterans, of future Hall of Famers, Matthew Stafford on the offensive side, potentially Cooper Cup on the offensive side, right? This is not the Cincinnati Bengals of a year ago. And it's no indictment of the Bengals. I think the Bengals are going to have a great year. They are a playoff team, in my opinion, again, while some people are saying that they're going to fall off. But the Bengals 
are a young, electrifying, exciting team. The Rams are a savvy, schematic, veteran squad. And in addition to all those Hall of Famers that the Rams have on the field, and trust me, this team's got at least four Hall of Famers on the field, they've got an incredible head coach in Sean McVay. They're not looking at this, getting over-riled up, saying, oh, we're underdogs, we've got to prove themselves. They know that they're proven. They know that they can do anything they want to almost any defense in the league. And I think that's what they're going to go out there and do. They're going to go out there and do anything they want to the Buffalo Bills, especially that secondary, tomorrow night. Matthew Stafford's got concerns. Everyone's talking about his arms falling off. Is he injured? Will he be able to? I think Matthew Stafford's going to be just fine. Matthew Stafford just has to put the ball wherever Cooper Cup is. And I know I may be dumbing this down and oversimplifying it. It really is that simple for the Rams to have success. Cooper Cup is as good a route runner as exists in the National Football League. Put him up against a rookie. He's going to be dancing circles around Elam. Stafford just has to get him the ball. He will do the rest. And if the Bills want to double him, Allen Robinson's on the other side. He's a jump ball threat. He's another crisp route runner. I mean, you've got Cooper Cup, who runs better routes than damn near anyone in the National Football League. And you've got Allen Robinson, who, when it comes to 50-50 balls, I mean, you think about it, DeAndre Hopkins, then, oh yeah, maybe Allen Robinson, right? This guy was a wide receiver one on teams that were led by Mitchell Trubisky, for crying out loud. He had 1,000-yard seasons with Mitchell Trubisky at quarterback. This guy is a stud. And everyone who's talking about, oh, they lost Odell. Oh, they lost Robert Woods. Yeah, well, they got a wide receiver one in Allen Robinson to be their wide receiver two. If anything, the one concern I have for the Rams is the offensive line. Andrew Whitworth, future Hall of Famer, he retired. They lose Austin Corbett in free agency to the Carolina Panthers. If the Buffalo Bills come out with a ferocious pass rush, this could get interesting. But unless they do exactly that, it's going to be the Rams on opening night getting their rings and winning ball games in L.A. All right, it's Sorallo Sports Talk with me, Joe Sorallo. Let's look at some of the games from this weekend. Let's look at some storylines going into this season. Let's make some money. We're going to do that all in the next 10 or so minutes right here, starting with the Carolina Panthers and the Cleveland Browns. I cannot wait to see Baker Mayfield come out and beat the F out of the Cleveland Browns. Because everyone who ran Baker out of Cleveland, who said, ah, he's not our guy after he took that team to the playoffs and won them their first playoff game in over two decades, is going to eat their words this Sunday when they thought the grass was greener and they got 11-game suspension to Sean Watson, and now they have to watch Jacoby Brissett try to game manage for the first 11 games of the season. And who does he get to start against? Their old friend, Baker. Look, I am not a Baker Mayfield lover by any means. I have criticized Baker Mayfield a lot during his NFL career. I do not think he is some top 10 quarterback. I don't think he was number one pick worthy. Don't get it twisted. But I think Baker Mayfield plays at his best when his back is against the wall, when he's being doubted, and when he's being told, you can't. The worst thing you can tell a guy who's built, a guy who is wired like Baker Mayfield, is you can't. Because then he looks at you, 
He grabs his you-know-what, and he says, F you, and he does. Baker Mayfield's one of those guys that's been told you can't his whole life. And the Cleveland Browns told him after last season, you can't be our quarterback anymore. We can't be successful with you as our quarterback anymore. The same Baker Mayfield, who the Cleveland Browns ran out there night after night, week after week, when he was injured, playing with a bum shoulder, giving that team everything he had. That's why I'm so high on Baker Mayfield in this game. I don't know how his health will hold up throughout the duration of a full season, but going into this week one, I think that a Baker Mayfield who gave his organization, the team that drafted him, everything he had, even when he was injured and realistically, I was saying this last year, probably should not have been playing. I think a Baker Mayfield, who then was taken by that organization and kicked to the side for Deshaun Watson, for the upgraded lease, the new model, I think that Baker Mayfield is awfully dangerous. And when I look at this game, Look, these are two defenses last year that were both top five overall. They were both top five against the pass. A lot of good pieces to each side, each side of the ball here, specifically the defensive side, the Browns. I mean, Miles Garrett, one of the best edge rushers in the game, one of the scariest men to be looking at on the other side in the National Football League. He is going to pose a difficult task for Iki Iquanu. You know, if you listen to the show, I love Iki Iquanu. He was the guy I wanted the Giants to draft. Not upset we got Evan Neal. Love them both. I just had Iquanu 1A, Evan Neal 1B. Personal preference. Iki Iquanu is going to have his hands full with Miles Garrett, especially considering coming into the league, better run blocker than pass blocker. It's going to be a hell of a week one wake-up call for my guy Iki Iquanu. But you look at the rest of that defense. Jadavion Clowney, not too shabby on the other end. You've got Greg Newsom, a young rising star in that secondary. This Cleveland Brown defense will not relent. It's going to be a tough game. But for every stud on the defensive side of the ball for Cleveland, you look at Carolina, and this is a defense that was top five overall last year. This is a defense that was top five against the pass last year. Number two passing defense in football. Only to Buffalo, thank you very much. J.C. Horn, I talk about young rising studs at cornerback. J.C. Horn is a pit bull. He is one of the most physical, absolutely frustrating cornerbacks in the game. And this kid's only getting better. That jump, I mean, really in any position in the NFL. They say the famous one is tight end. The jump from year one to year two is the most astronomical for tight ends. But as a cornerback, you've had a year of guarding these elite receivers. You've had a year of getting used to NFL playbooks and how to defend against them. I think J.C. Horn is going to have a humongous year down in Carolina. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. I think it's going to be a run-heavy game. Nick Chubb, he's a workhorse. You already know this. I think Nick Chubb, by the way, is being incredibly undervalued. If you haven't had your fantasy draft yet, He's what, like the 13th listed running back? I think Nick Chubb is RB1 material. And then, of course, you got that two-headed dragon. You got Kareem Hunt back there, too. But with Christian McCaffrey in the backfield, I think Carolina will be able to answer that. It's going to be a run-heavy, ground-and-pound, old-school football game. The type of game I see Carolina winning 17-13. to I think Baker Mayfield does what he did at Oklahoma against Kansas. Like I said earlier, grabs his you-know-what and says, shove it, Cleveland. I'm better off without you. Now look, 
It doesn't mean I think Carolina is going to go challenge Tampa Bay for the NFC South or even New Orleans for that matter. But I think this is going to be a fun game. I think Baker Mayfield is going to play with as much fire and as much passion and as much of an edge and a chip on his shoulder as we've ever seen Baker Mayfield play with. And that he is going to ignite something with Robbie Anderson, with DJ Moore. There are going to be sparks. May not be throughout the whole game. Like I said, it's going to be a run-heavy game. But there are going to be sparks and exciting plays. And I think there's going to be more of them on the Panthers' side than on the Cleveland Browns' side. Talk about revenge tours. We got a game next Monday night. Russ Wilson taking on the Seattle Seahawks, going to the home of the 12th man, the place he called home for a decade. And I'm sorry, Seattle. You're running out Geno Smith at quarterback. I think this is going to be a cakewalk for the Denver Broncos. Now, I don't necessarily know whether or not Russ Wilson's going to go out there and he's going to shove, he's going to have the night of his life. But when I look at this matchup, yes, all the attention is on Russ. I think the deciding factor in this matchup, the reason that it's really not going to be a contested game is because of the Denver Broncos defense. I think if you're going on a motion that the Seattle Seahawks have the potential to go out there and pull off the upset and make it close, but at the end of the day, even if they hit Russ, even if they stop Russ, the Seattle Seahawks, I don't see them scoring. I just don't see Geno Smith going out there with a six and a half point number, keeping this one within a touchdown. I don't. The Denver Broncos defense is not good. It's really damn good. Geno's going to be getting hit from both sides by Bradley Chubb and now Randy Gregory coming over from Dallas to Denver. Geno's going to be throwing it to a secondary that is just lit up. I talked about the Buffalo Bills in the opening segment. How about the two safeties in Denver? I mean, you look at safety duos and it's Bills 1, Broncos 2 in my opinion. Justin Simmons, Kareem Jackson, the former cornerback, now a safety back there for the Bronx. I mean, I think Kareem's going to pick Geno off. I'm calling it right now. Kareem Jackson, friend of the show with an interception on Monday Night Football off of Geno Smith. I just, I struggle to see the Seahawks putting up points. I mentioned the Panthers. They're two, two and a half point favorites, depending where you look. I said 17, 13. Give me that number. Panthers winning cover. I'm going to say the Broncos, six and a half point favorites at the moment. They're going to win in cover. Give me Denver in this one. 24 to 10. I think it's going to be a two touchdown game. I mean, Gino's lucky he gets one in the end zone. I'm going to say that his two fantastic receivers, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, one of them is going to bail him out, give him a late tutty, or maybe they run it in. They've got some decent running backs, even with Chris Carson retiring, but Gino is not the man to get the job done. Denver's going to take this one start to finish all the way. Now, there's one other big game on the schedule that I love, and it is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. And the reason I love this game so much is because Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are getting disrespected so damn heavily. They are just two-point favorites at the Dallas Cowboys in Jerry's world. Same Dallas Cowboys who got to the postseason a year ago, steamrolled their way through the NFC East, and were, as they always are, professional choke artists in the playoffs. Had a home game against the 49ers team led by Jimmy G and the Dallas Cowboys couldn't get the job done. I know last year the Cowboys were great. You want to talk betting? They were the best team in football against the spread. They went from the worst in 2020 at 5-11 ATS to the best in 2021 at 13-4 and 
against the number. Well, they're two-point dogs at home. Logic would say if they cover, they probably win the game. Last year, opening day was in Tampa. They only lost by two. They were seven and a half point dogs. They lost 31-29. They're at home now. They have the advantage. Brady's a year older. He doesn't have Gronk, right? Wrong. The Dallas Cowboys were actually better on the road last year than they were at home. They were eight and one on the road, both straight up and against the number. Five and three at home, both straight up and against the number. No Gronk, no problem. First off, I've said this before, I'll say it again. He's coming back later this year. Tom Brady has Mike Evans. He has Chris Godwin, who may be the best receiver on that team. He has Julio Jones, who I think is going to have a ridiculous resurgence with Brady. He's got Russell Gage, who, by the way, is probably the best number four option in the NFL. Could be a number two on many teams. This Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense is going to score all day. You want to look at Dallas and, oh, but their defense last year was great. No, their defense last year caused a ridiculous amount of turnovers, and that will not be replicated this year. Their defense actually gave up a stupid amount of yards last year. Trayvon Diggs was an interception machine, was also beat week after week on the deep ball, but made up for it with so many interceptions. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the disrespected Tom Brady-led, Everyone wants to talk about their quarterback's marriage and not the product on the field. Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to go in to Jerry's world and make Jerry cry. I love the Buccaneers in this one. Minus two. I'm hammering Tampa. I know they've got concerns on the inside of that O-line, but they've got the best quarterback to ever lace it up. They still have arguably the best front seven in football. And Dallas, by the way, also lost a lot on the offensive line. They lost Connor Williams. They lost Leal Collins. I think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to go to Jerry's world and have their way. All right, Joe Sorallo here on Sorallo Sports Talk. And I promised that I was going to tell you the 14 teams who make the 2022 NFL playoffs. Before we wrap the show up, I'm a man of my word. I'm going to deliver on that promise. So let's get to it. Week one is minutes away, hours away from the first game. But let's look ahead at January. The Buffalo Bills. I started the show with it. That's the Super Bowl champs, right? The Buffalo Bills are winning Super Bowl 57. Obviously, they're a playoff team. Obviously, they're the team I have winning the AFC East. How does the rest of the AFC playoff picture look at? Well, look, if we're looking at divisional winners... Going down the list to the north, I'm sorry, Joey B. I love you, Joey B. It's the Baltimore Ravens. The Baltimore Ravens were 8-3 and and the one seed in the AFC a year ago after 11 games. The team was banged up, bruised, battered, dealt with more injuries on both sides of the ball than any other squad in football. Couldn't field together a defensive backfield. They were out of cornerbacks halfway through the season. They lost their running back, J.K. Dobbins. They lost their quarterback, Lamar Jackson. The Baltimore Ravens dealt with more injuries than anyone last year. They are going to come out and they are going to pick up where they left off when they were 8-3 a season ago and win the AFC North. The AFC South, that is also changing. That's going to go to the Indianapolis Colts this year. Look, I feel like this is one of the more obvious picks, one of the favorite picks for teams to or for divisions, rather, to change division winners. You got Frank Reich there, who I think is just one of the best offensive masterminds in the NFL. You've got Matt Ryan, 
who know at this late stage in his career is not one of the most talented quarterbacks in the league, but he's still one of the smartest and he doesn't need to be one of the most talented. He doesn't need to make Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen type throws because he's got a great offensive line, an incredible playbook, and oh yeah, the league's leading rusher from a year ago in Jonathan Taylor. Whatever the Colts lack in their passing game, they make up for with tough Midwestern big uglies up front doing the blocking and Jonathan Taylor dancing behind them. They also have a pretty damn good defense. Not Darius Leonard anymore. Shaq Leonard, one of the best linebackers in the NFL. The Indianapolis Colts are going to win the AFC South. I think they're going to win it by at least two games over the Tennessee Titans, who if they don't have Derrick Henry, don't have anything going for them. And then if you look out to the AFC West, this is the best division in football. This is probably the toughest division winner for me to call. This can go quite literally one of four ways. I'm going to say it stays with Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, and the Chiefs. Do I think that the Chiefs are going to go to the Super Bowl? I do not. But I do think, even without Cheetah, even without Tyreek Hill, that the Chiefs are going to win the AFC West. It might take them a little while to figure it out. I have a lot of questions on the defensive side of the ball. I love Steve Spagnola. I think he's one of the best D coordinators in the NFL the last two decades. I've got a lot of questions on the defensive side of the ball. They lost two key cornerbacks, especially Charvarius Ward. They lost the Honey Badger, who was maybe, even though he's a safety, maybe their best player in coverage a year ago. They lost Daniel Sorensen, who even though he can't cover my grandmother, is one of the better box safeties to stop the run. They have a lot of question marks on defense, but they still have a strong D-line and they still, at the end of the day, have Patrick Mahomes, the best quarterback in football. So I'm going to go with the Chiefs to win the division. And here's a little surprise for you. I'm going to go with the first wild card to be the Las Vegas Raiders. I love this Raiders team. This Raiders team is projected to finish in last place in the AFC West And I think at plus 575 odds, they're worth a damn sprinkle to win the division. Because the Raiders have one of the most underrated quarterbacks in football, Derek Carr, who is certainly a top 12 QB in this league. The Raiders have a top three wideout in this league in Devontae Adams. Some people think he's number one. I think he's number two at the moment. And the Raiders have other weapons. They don't just have a star quarterback and a star wide receiver. No, they've got Hunter Renfro, who you heard Der- you heard uh, Derwin James. What show did he go on? Pivot? Was that the show Derwin James went on and said Hunter Renfro? One of the toughest wide receivers to go against in the NFL. Ryan Clark almost had a damn heart attack. Hunter Renfro's that dude, and the Raiders got him. Darren Waller's that dude, and the Raiders got him. One of the most electrifying tight ends in the game. Maybe the biggest, or with the pending emergence of Kyle Pitts, maybe the second biggest deep threat among tight ends in the game. The Raiders have weapons. Josh Jacobs is a really good running back. The offensive line has a few concerns. On defense, though, they've got Mad Max Crosby, who just had an all-pro season, and they added to that pass rush by bringing in Chandler Jones, who was Arizona's best pass rusher a year ago. He's lining up opposite Max Crosby. The Raiders are scary, folks. Don't look at Josh McDaniels' time in Denver. Don't think about what Josh McDaniels did with the Broncos. It's a new era. It's a new Josh McDaniels. He's older. He's seasoned. He's more mature. He's coming in to maybe 
maybe the biggest embarrassment of riches on the offensive side of the football in the entire league. And I think he is going to capitalize on that. I like the Raiders at the five seed. And now we'll get in to a familiar face. Joey B, here you go. I got the Cincinnati Bengals as the six seed. Look, I don't have them winning the division, but they're still a playoff team. I talk about an embarrassment of riches on the offensive side of the ball with the Raiders. The Bengals just entered the group chat and said, excuse me, the Cincinnati Bengals might have 3,000 yard receivers this season. They've got the potential for it. Don't sleep on Tyler Boyd. He is a stud. T Higgins, I think is going to lead that team in receptions. Jamar Chase is going to lead that team in receiving yards. Joe Mixon, oh, by the way, is in the backfield. And whereas the Raiders, I talk about, you know, Josh Jacobs being in the backfield. Well, Joe Mixon's a lot better than Josh Jacobs. Sorry, just got to call it how it is. So the Bengals, if anyone is going to challenge the Raiders for a group of three elite pass catchers and a really damn good running back, the Bengals might have as good a situation there as anyone. What scares me a bit with them is they just played a really long season a year ago. A season so long, it was longer than anyone, probably even the Bengals themselves, expected it to be. How are they going to react this year? How are they going to come out of the gate this year. No one saw this young, electrifying, exciting group making it to the Super Bowl. Now can they go out and do it again? This is what I was talking about earlier when I talked about, you know, the Rams not being that young team that got ahead of themselves. The Rams being the veteran team, the savvy team. Can the Bengals do it? It might take them a little time to get back on track. Who knows? There's a lot of question marks. That's why I've got them as a wild card. And then my final wild card the Chargers. Plain and simple, guys. Top to bottom, both sides of the ball. The Chargers might have the most talented roster in the NFL. You look at their additions on defense. They've got Khalil Mack. They just locked up Derwin James to a long-term deal. They added Kyle Van Noy, who's an underrated piece. The LA Chargers, oh, by the way, brought in JC Jackson, one of the best cornerbacks in the game. They're a damn good team. I have questions about their coach. Brandon Staley turned me off late last year, the way he mismanaged and ultimately blew that week 17 or week 18, rather, game against the Raiders, the final game of the year, Sunday night football. He cost the Chargers a spot in the postseason. So I've got concerns there with coaching. I think on offense, they might not be as deep when it comes to the weapons that they have. They're still really damn talented. They're going to get over the hump. They're going to make the playoffs. You heard me. Chargers, Raiders, Chiefs, all coming out of the AFC West. I think Denver is the odd team out. I think Denver is the fourth place team. I don't want to say last place because they they might as well finish nine and eight and still come in last in that division. It's not a knock on them. It's just the best division in football. It's going to be a dogfight. I think the Broncos are the odd squad out. Let's look at the NFC. I think things here are way more chalk. So I've got three new playoff teams going with the theme of four to six new playoff teams every year in this league for at least my whole lifetime. I got three new ones in the AFC, the Colts, the Ravens, and the Chargers. Let's see who I have in the NFC. I don't have a new team winning the NFC East, but, well, I should say this. I don't have a new team making the playoffs out of the NFC East, but going with the tradition that since the Eagles won four straight NFC East titles from 01 to 04, no team has repeated, I do have a new team winning the division. And that is the Philadelphia Eagles. They made the playoffs last year. This year, not as a wild card. It will be as the NFC East champs. I just think that they're the deepest team in that division. And I think Dallas got away with a lot last year. And they're not going to have turnovers, bail them out the same way they did a year ago this season. I think the Eagles are more complete. A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith, 
Two scary wideout options. On defense, they got better. They added James Bradbury to an already really good secondary. The Eagles are winning the NFC East. The NFC North, I also think it's more of the same. Sorry to the Minnesota Vikings lovers. I just don't see it happening. I don't see Kirk Cousins, a guy who I don't trust as far as I could throw him in a big game, leading the Minnesota Vikings, overtaking Aaron Rodgers, and winning the NFC North. I I don't see it. I don't care if Aaron Rodgers is throwing to you and I out there. He's still better than anything Kirk Cousins has to offer. So do I think the Packers take a step back? Yes, maybe to like 11 and 6 as opposed to, what are they used to? 13 and 3, 13 and 4. Maybe they take a step back to 11 and 6. I think it's more of the same in the postseason for the Green Bay Packers, but they're going to win that division. NFC South. Things might start to get a little bit frisky here. I'm going with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to win the NFC South. But I think this New Orleans Saints team is dangerous. This is a New Orleans Saints team that just a year ago barely missed the postseason after losing Jameis Winston for most of the year, after not having Michael Thomas at all. I mean, this team was forced to play Ian Book and Taysom Hill at quarterback and still just barely missed the postseason. So you look at the Saints who have already won seven of their last eight against Tampa Bay, who are already 4-0 in the regular season against the Brady-led Buccaneers in his two-plus seasons in Tampa. You look at the Saints now, and everyone's knocking the head coach, Dennis Allen. He's got an 8-24 record as a head coach. I simply don't care. I care about Dennis Allen's prior head coaching experience as much as I care about Josh McDaniel's prior head coaching experience, and that is zero. Because I am tremendously high on McDaniels and the Raiders. And I'm tremendously high on Dennis Allen and the Saints. Because Allen has had more time to mature as an assistant. To get ready to take over the reins from an incredible coach in Sean Payton. And Dennis Allen is going to bring a level of continuity to the Saints team. That will make Sean Payton's absence feel like nothing. Jameis Winston was having a great year before he went down. Alvin Kamara should be back for a full year. Michael Thomas should be back. At the very worst, Michael Thomas is back as a decoy. And then my oh my, you've got Jarvis Landry. You've got Chris Olave, the rookie. The Saints have plenty of options, right? I'm not worried about their offensive line and their defense is going to be phenomenal. They add the Honey Badger, the New Orleans kid. The Saints are my five seed. They're not just a playoff team to me. They're my top wild card, but they don't win the division. And that leaves the NFC West. I think the three teams that made the playoffs last year in the NFC West are going to make the playoffs again this year. I think it's actually going to be in the same order. Rams in first place, Cardinals in second with the sixth seed, Niners in third with the seven seed. I'm not that high on the 49ers, but when you look at the rest of this roster, even though I don't trust Trey Lance, even though Jimmy G is going to be looking over his shoulder, ready to take the reins at any moment, the Niners have, outside of the quarterback position, arguably the most complete roster in football. It's going to be enough to get them into the playoffs. I don't think they make noise once they get there, but it'll be enough to get them there. The Rams, though, are the clear-cut favorites. The Rams, I mean, I think over under 10.5 wins on the Rams. There's three overs I love. It's the Raiders, it's the Saints, it's the Rams. Hammer that over 10.5. The team that comes out of the NFC, though, at the end of the day, because I haven't mentioned this one yet. I mentioned the Bills are winning the Super Bowl. Who are they going to do it against? Stick around for my final word. I'll tell you that in just a few seconds. You're listening to Sorallo Sports Talk with me, Joe Sorallo. All right, it's time for my final word as we wrap up this hour of Sorallo Sports Talk with me, Joe Sorallo. Our first hour back on national radio, 
in over a month. And let's dive into it. I promised you that I was going to tell you who I think the Buffalo Bills are going to meet and defeat in Super Bowl 57. But before I do that, just because I'm a really generous guy, I want to give you one more NFL future, one more bet I love going into the season. I mentioned some win total overs. I love the Rams over 10.5, the Saints and Raiders both over 8.5. But I left one off. And that is the Pittsburgh Steelers over 7.5 wins. First off, I don't care who the Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback is. Mitch Trubisky, Kenny Pickett. I'm not particularly high on either one of them, but they can't be much worse, if worse at all, than Ben Roethlisberger had been the past couple years. And do you know what the Pittsburgh Steelers never did with Ben Roethlisberger the past couple of years or with Ben Roethlisberger and Mike Tomlin ever? They never finished below 500. Mike Tomlin, as head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers in 15 seasons, has never finished below 500. So for the Steelers' win total to be a measly 7.5, you're telling me you think there's a chance that a Mike Tomlin-led team goes 7-10. and 10. And I'll tell you this. I don't care who the quarterback of that team is. A Mike Tomlin defense that features T.J. Watt, Defensive Player of the Year, that features a secondary led by Minka Fitzpatrick, who's been all everything since he got out of Miami and went to Pittsburgh, and features a lot of great pieces in between, there is no way that defense is going to lose double-digit games. Maybe, for the first time ever, Mike Tomlin will finish under 500. If he does, the floor for him and this team is 8-9. and nine. Don't be shocked, especially with Cleveland missing Deshaun for the first 11 games of the year. That should be a winnable game for Pittsburgh. Don't be shocked if they are a 9-8 and eight third place team take them over seven and a half wins but who's the team I have coming out of the NFC it's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers I think that Tom Brady in his final season I'm I'm saying it's his last year his last go around I think he gets Gronk back around week eight or nine Tom Brady is leading that team back to the Super Bowl and he's going to face off against a team that he has had a whole lot of success against a team that he has tortured throughout his career in the Buffalo Bills And in a sweet revenge story of poetic justice, the Buffalo Bills are going to retire Tom Brady. And just like that, this episode of Sorello Sports Talk is up. It's over. It's out of here. The NFL season kicks off in less than 24 hours, folks. Go enjoy it. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.